When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of Talk the Plank on the Fan First Sports Network. My name is Nathan Hirsch, and I'm with Jake Slobodnik. Jake, how's it going? It's going fine, man. How about you? It's going pretty all right. Um, Pirates aside, the personal life is decent, but... uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's Pirates aside. Yeah, if we put the Pirates aside, life is wonderful, but if if you're a Bucko fan, things are pretty sad right now, which it's hard to believe considering what we were saying about them in the first month of the year, but now all of a sudden they look like absolute trash, so uh, it's just rough. Yeah, I have a lot of takes that I need to take back, but uh, yeah, as we sit here on Thursday, May 11th, the Pirates have an off day, thank God. They've lost 9 out of 10. Their run differential, which was once plus 52, is now just plus 10. But still in first place with a record of 21-17. and 17. For as bad as the Pirates have played, the Milwaukee Brewers, who also got off to a similar hot start, have been just as bad. They're 2-8 and eight in their last 10. Not to standings watch further here in May. Although we said that's what we're going to do. The Cubs are they're knocking on the door. They're two and a half games back. The Reds have been playing better as of late-ish. They're five games back. And the St. Louis Cardinals, we can't say the Pirates are ten games up on them anymore. They are eight games back. So, Jake, if you just want to get into it, what is, what's going on right now? Why, why does this team suck so badly at the moment? Well, I mean, this is well. Let's start with the <clears throat> most obvious thing, and that is the Pirates are just coming back down to earth. Uh, yeah. We all kind of expected a little bit of regression, but this is just laughable at this point um, for this roster, really. And I understand there have been a lot of injuries, and that kind of hurts a team. But just looking up and down, I mean, the bottom of the lineup has been suspect as of lately. Um, but again, you can't just blame them. Pirates haven't really got much help from a lot of people, um, including the guys that were off to a really hot start in April. And one of those guys being Jack Sawinski, he, I'm, I'm watching him play and he's taking strikes. He's whiffing at ones that are in the zone. 
he's not, he's kind of mixing himself from last year and this year. He's, you know, taking good pitches, but at the same time, he's not making much contact really. And his, his average shows that. Of course, we have the the all-important Austin Hedges behind the plate who is only known for his reputation with the pitchers. Um, Miguel Andujar, Chris Owings, um, these guys that are quad A players at best, they're playing in the lineup, and it's just not looking good for them. Um, I mean, it's the lineup issue. I, I don't think that Andy Haynes is doing his job as a hitting coach because, I, I mean, you look at the April April numbers versus now, and there's a reason why when he was in charge of the Milwaukee Brewers, uh, their hitting side of things, there's a reason why they sucked so bad. And I just feel like Andy coaches coaching or Andy Haynes coaching philosophy. just isn't hitting home with the pirates. And I, it's looking like their April numbers were more of a fluke. I, I don't know exactly what his hitting philosophy is, if there is any, but uh, whatever it is, it's not working. Um, pitchers are also, I don't think doing their job. And that's just my opinion. I mean, Rowansi Contreras has struggled over the past couple of weeks. Um, and it, it doesn't matter who the opponent is. It just looks like he's been struggling lately. Um, a couple good notes for him, like a slider, but he's just been leaving too many pitches over the plate. Um, really the only bright spot for this team is Mitch Keller, which yeah. uh, is so ironic to say, considering where we were a year ago today. But I mean, I don't think you can pinpoint one exact thing and one only thing that's wrong with this team there's a lot of issues from up and down the roster people not producing way too many strikeouts way too many runners left on base and very little execution with runners in scoring position and you and i both saw that in the rocky series and um especially in the finale and i think this is kind of like a it spells what the future is to come of the pirates bases loaded no outs in the sixth inning connor joe who's been pretty reliable at the plate this season watches strike three. And it's not like it was a, a bending breaking pitch. It was a fastball right on the outer black. And that, that was a perfect one that could have been taken the opposite way for maybe a run or two. And he just watched it go by. And then I, I don't blame Rodolfo Castro. He got it to center field, but he didn't get it far enough. And Brian Reynolds, I mean, you look at that scenario and I think that was just a, a perfect play by Brenton Doyle to throw one home. I don't think that was on the fault of Mike Rabello or Brian Reynolds. Um, maybe some blame there because it was a shallow ball, but I mean, Brenton Doyle just threw a dot to get Reynolds at the plate. But going back to my original point, it's a culmination of things. And, you know, we're playing some inferior opponents, the, especially the Rockies. Like, yeah, they've been surging, but like they're still a struggling team. This is a team that we scored double digits on in multiple games at Coors Field, and we held them in check. And now all of a sudden they come into our home and they make us look like chumps. It makes no sense to me how we can just absolutely go from 100 to zero for something like that. I don't I don't know if the roster needs adjusted. I don't know if uh, we need a new hitting coach. I don't know what it is, but really it, it's a culmination of things. And I think we're starting to see what the actual 2023 Pirates were supposed to be. Maybe not as bad as the last couple of seasons, but they're getting close to it. Pretty much everything you said there is valid. Everything is going wrong right now, obviously. The hitting, we threw a mini parade yesterday because the Pirates scored three runs for the first time in nine games. It was the 10th game since their 16-run output against the Nationals, which seems like years ago at this point. But yeah, the offense, I think that's the number one thing that has just been terrible. But also, the fielding has been pretty bad. Uh, The pitching has obviously been kind of up and down, up with Mitch Keller, down with 
Contreras, as you mentioned, has been inconsistent. Uh, Johan Oviedo has come crashing back down to earth. That's when I when I think of some of our takes in the first few weeks, I think of Johan Oviedo and how we uh, we had really we had really high hopes for him. But you look at him, the ERAs up to five point five nine, although. I mean, his XERA is still 393, so he's just been bad in his last few starts. Losing Velasquez hurts, although Luis Ortiz pitched in the 10-1 to game in which the Pirates lost to the Rockies, and I thought he looked all right, five innings pitched. He gave up some runs, but only two were earned. I don't know. It's just this team right now has such a lifelessness to it, and I think that's the that's the biggest thing. They just look so... They just look so dead at the plate and the field, everything. Also, everything is going wrong. Like you said, the Castro fly ball, it couldn't just go another 15 feet farther. Reynolds couldn't avoid the tag. The throw was perfect. It's just everything is going against them right now, and I just feel like it's a combination of them being beaten down by everything going against them and not giving up because it's only May, but they've definitely had a an attitude about them that is just dead for the past 10 days or so and uh they're definitely letting it get to them and i don't know what the solution is right now besides just waiting because you have to because that's just how baseball is things turn up and down but you mentioned the bottom of this roster is just awful (laughs) um yeah we got miguel anduhar he's not a major league player he's just not um Chris Owings, not a major league player. I tweeted this from the Talk the Plank Twitter account, and we talked about this many times before the season even started, how the Pirates just didn't bother to ever get a backup shortstop behind O'Neill Cruz. So they rolled with Castro and Marcano for a little bit, decided that wasn't good enough, and called up Chris Owings, who is another Austin Hedges with the bat. He just is. We have Austin Hedges. We have Josh Palacios, who I'm sorry, he was ripping it up in AAA for a few weeks, but until until like a week ago, I had never even heard who he was. <laughs> so when you get three or four of these names in the lineup, I mean, it's just so many automatic outs. And the top of the lineup, it's also been bad. I mean, a lot of players have been terrible. You mentioned Sawinski has been really awful lately. Castro has been pretty bad lately. Carlos Santana, since this... Um, nine of 10 losing streak kind of began. He's he's hitting 133, 289, 200. So he's been slumping. Everyone, Anduhar, I mentioned, he's just been terrible. So it's, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is right now, but they just need something to change. And that's where I wish, <laughs> I tweeted this too from the Talk to Plank account. I'm starting to rethink the Derek Shelton extension because they gave it to him right at the time where things were looking great. But whenever this team gets down, they just get so, so down. And there's just no urgency. It doesn't seem to turn things around. It's it's just like they're waiting to to get better and for things to turn instead of really, you know, I, I wish I saw more fire out of him. But you mentioned it on the last pod. He's just super chill. And he'll yell at an umpire once in a blue moon. He doesn't, he just, I don't know. This team is just depressing right now. Well, Sheldon did offer a little bit of a nice quote uh, last night after the post game. And this kind of might be an answer to 
why the Pirates are struggling, at least in this part, they feel like they have to perform well. Like there is, like they're playing at a level 10 when they need to play at a level 20. And that's the going through their mindset. Like they're almost overwhelming themselves and their thought process with how well they need to play instead of just going out there and playing kind of like what they did in April. They had no expectations and they went out and they were winning games. They were hitting the ball. Well, they were seeing the ball. Well, they took great walks whenever they can or whenever they could. And that was because there was no expectations. Now there's an expectation that the pirates need to win and they could possibly be a fringe playoff contender. Not my words, but just the overall thought process. And now they're starting to feel the pressure and they're crumbling because of it instead of just taking the opportunity one day at a time, winning every inning. And it, it's weird that you are the one that's rethinking the Shelton extension, <laughs> because I remember like we, when we talk about it, it feels like before I was the one really against him and, you know, just kind of thinking that he was a, not the good fit. But now it seems like things have flipped. I'm not saying that I'm I'm regretting the extension, but in a way, you're right. I mean, he doesn't. He's got that lovable coach side to him, almost like he's, you know, a coaching a T-ball team with a bunch of kids who don't know what they're doing. Like he's he's very patient. He loves to build good chemistry with his players, which is good. But at the same time, you need a guy that can be a Lou Pinella every once in a while and just absolutely wig out and maybe change things in the right direction. I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe that's the reason why they brought in all these veteran guys, maybe to hold them accountable for that while Shelton acts like, not so much a good cop, but just like the voice of reason, if you will. And it's, it sucks to see because Shelton is a good guy. He's a good coach, but at the same time, he's he's like, like you said, he's not very rah, rah. He's not, you know, he'll only yell at an umpire once in a blue moon. And I know I said that last week, but like just repeating the same concept that we're not seeing that out of Shelton. And that's, you know, it's, it's almost like a weird loss of control in the clubhouse. I don't know if maybe, you'd agree with that. But like, that's just what I'm seeing from an outsider standpoint. Like, I, I mean, this guy knows hitting, but yet it seems like he's not doing much to, uh, to correct guys like Sawinski who are watching strikes right down the middle or, you know, situational hitting, hitting with runners on base runners in that's scoring thing, position. Yeah. I, I kind of share the sentiment that you shared, which is, you know, they're, they're not really doing much of anything and you don't know what else they can do. I think right now all it needs is like some sort of uh, authority figure to come in and just kind of be the bearer of bad news, punch them in the mouth and metaphorically yeah. and bring them down to reality and say, guys, you suck. You went from being one of the best teams in baseball to being repeats of the past couple of years. Like it, they need brought down to reality. And, you know, I'm so tired of hearing some of these guys uh, and it, this is what bothered me the most today, Rich Hill. I heard a quote from him. Yeah, I think just get back to having fun again, and uh, you know that's that's the biggest thing. I, I think the work is being done. The guys are putting in the effort. Today was a good game. Today was a good game, is what he said. He didn't say the guys were having fun, but he said today was a good game, which is not it, that wasn't a good game. You had a three nothing lead and you blew it. This was referring to the series finale against Colorado. I think maybe with that quote, he definitely he said they have to get back to having fun, which. I understand like they do. It's just, it's a perspective thing at this point. And in yesterday's game, they didn't play terribly. They just blew up in one inning. And then obviously the offense couldn't come through in the biggest moment of the game. So in key moments, they play terribly, but overall, I don't know. It's just, 
It's funny how you mentioned the the quote of themselves putting pressure on themselves, the team putting pressure on themselves after so much April success. It's almost like they're having a May collapse instead of a August September collapse this season. Which I don't know if you remember when we were talking to Jordy Mercer. That's the the biggest thing that he said was that was the reason that they collapsed back in 2012. Was they just the pressure got too big and with young teams, it just, it once it goes bad, it goes bad, which yeah. I think right now that's probably what's happening because April, they played so well. They were awesome. They started getting some attention nationally, getting put at the top of all these dumb power rankings, all of it. Everyone was asking, could the pirates actually be good? And uh, obviously, like you said too, regression was due. They're not, they were not 20 and eight good, but I think the pressure got to them. And that's where bringing it back to Shelton, I just wish that there was some sort of energy in that clubhouse to help snap them out of it. The past 10 days, I've just never seen such a lifeless offense. And I get it. Yeah, they definitely are pressing, but it's just, I don't know. I think what they need are some guys back. I mean, these quad A players are bringing them down, anchoring down that's the bottom of the lineup. That, that's not good for them. And when you have, and, and I can't tell you how many times throughout the past couple of weeks, I have found myself saying, boy, if we had O'Neill Cruz right now, we wouldn't be Ugh. in this position. Or even to a point, G-Man Choi. Like, yeah, he yeah. wasn't hitting the greatest, but he was still able to make some contact and put the ball where it needed to go. He would lengthen the lineup right now, right. for sure. And, you know, now we have guys, like I said, Austin Hedges, Chris Owings, who go up there and are pretty much, as you would say, a pitcher spot. They go up there and just get an automatic strikeout. We're kind of out of options to say, and I just feel like it narrows down to we need our starters back. We need those guys back. Uh, we need to build that roster with some of those quality MLB talent players again. And I hate to say it, but I think it's time we consider bringing up our top prospects. There is... There's no reason why we should have guys like like Chris Owings playing short. Granted, he's great defensively, and he looked great defensively in his debut. But I, I would rather yeah, he's fine. I would rather see guys like I, I I can't even name one, but maybe like Andy Rodriguez playing second for a little bit while say Tucupita Marcano, who looked okay at short. He didn't look great, didn't look too comfortable, but uh, he I think he did better than Rodolfo Castro in my mind. Maybe. Oh, it's hard to determine this. It really is. Whenever you have two automatic outs at the bottom of the lineup, eighth and ninth, that just makes the top seven press even more, which just kind of snowballs on itself. So guys like Sawinski and Joe and Reynolds and even the veterans, Carlos Santana has been really bad lately. They they feel the need to to supply extra offense than they can because they're playing with a seven-man lineup. And one out of every three innings is a total bust because you have two automatic outs. And I mean, I get it. Owens was just called up. Palacios was just called up. But even one automatic out is too much with Austin Hedges. You can't afford to be having less than nine hitters in the lineup. Yeah. And I agree with you there. And the thing is, is like, I think they're bringing up the wrong players. Like, you talk yeah. about Palacios, like, yeah, you, nobody has really heard of him, but he was storming in the, in the minor leagues. Well, his career numbers will tell you that he thrives in the minor leagues against minor league pitching. And 
then you see his numbers when he translates to the MLB, the highest his batting average has ever got. Oh, batting average, please coming after me now. <laughs> the highest it's ever gotten was 217. Before that, it was 200. And his strikeouts were high. So, I mean, you can't be surprised with the result that you're seeing, but I, I just think that maybe the Pirates are calling up the wrong players. And maybe the mismanaging of the lineup a little bit. Like, I was kind of shocked, and I understand there was a left-handed pitcher in for the Pirate or in for the Rockies yesterday, but subbing out Tucopita Marcano, who had a sacrifice hit and a home run yesterday, taking him out for Miguel Andujar, who has been striking out a ton lately, it, it boggles my mind. Now, they struck gold whenever they brought in Jiwan Bay in for um in for Chris Owings. He had a double in the ninth, but then you follow it up with Josh Palacios, who has struck out. Like what what's the thought process here that one of these guys are just going to break out one day and just automatically discover that they're good with Palacio specifically. Yeah, I definitely do think it was just a try to catch lightning in a bottle. See if he can continue the hot streak. Similarly to someone else who else was lighting it up in AAA and they got called up. Uh, Matthias was no Miguel Andujar. He was lighting it up in AAA, and so the Pirates called him up. And actually, in his first game, he had a home run, and then he hit a home run later in the day off of a position player. And ever since then, he's done absolutely nothing. But I mean, that's the thing is they don't want to bring up ND. They don't want to bring up Hank Davis yet because it's not time. Because although they will get an extra year of service time because the service time clock has passed. The Super 2 clock has not passed, so you know Bob Nutting does not want to be paying an extra year of arbitration when he could be paying an extra year of minimum league salary instead. So until June whatever the date is this year, I think it's probably going to be the middle of June like it is every year, and by then, oh, magically, all those great prospects they're going to be ready for the major leagues at that point. It's 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 a roster service time, super two manipulation type thing. So, yeah, we're not going to see Davis. We're not going to see Andy. We're not going to see Nick Gonzalez probably. He's been decently hot. Uh, those are names that we're probably not going to see until June at least. With Henry Davis, I'm not exactly sure. I'm not exactly sure how the Pirates are going to handle this two-double catcher situation. But um, as far as the roster goes, I mean, playing GM right now, I would I would send down Chris Owings. Like, I, I would just roll with Marcano at shortstop and let him play five days a week, let him hit eighth, and just see what happens. I would start Jason DeLay five games a week. I'm I'm officially off the hedges train. I held on for as long as possible. Wow. I, you, you just can't afford to have someone hitting a hundred bat and er, get every day at bats. You just can't. Well, but thank so, God he can provide some nice wisdom to the younger guys if they ever. We'll come do up. it from the dugout at this point. <laughs> Become a coach. That's, yeah, he's literally Jake just Taylor. a coach role. Yes, exactly. But uh, you delay, stick him at the bottom of the lineup. He plays five days a week. Castro at second, obviously. You got um, – that's the infield right there. Santana has to pick it up. I guess – I don't know. Sawinski needs to pick it up, obviously. That's the key. Castro and Sawinski and Santana, those are big ones. But I would get Andujar out of here. I would get Palacios out of here. And honestly, in their in their places, maybe it's 
Maybe you bring Cannon Smith and Jigba back up, although he needs the everyday at bats. Maybe it's Cal Mitchell's turn. I'm not sure. Oh, you but know. I mean, some of these. I, I guess that's the thing is like the bottom of this roster is bad. Honestly, I would bring Mark Mathias back up. I don't. I think it was a mistake to send him down because no, he can't play shortstop. But like I said, I. I don't think it's worth having Chris Owings bat up here for a shortstop defense when Marcano is fine enough, and I'll live with every so often Rodolfo Castro playing shortstop. I just will. I don't – whatever. I don't care. I really don't. Because when some of these guys – like, it just goes back to me saying, and I sound like a broken record here, you can't have so many automatic outs in a major league lineup you can't rely on playing perfect baseball when you score two to three runs. That's the thing, too. It goes back to the pressing thing. I keep rambling and kind of talking in circles here, but when the offense is bad, you press even more, which leads to mistakes in the field, which leads to pitchers trying to be as perfect as they possibly can. The medicine for all of this is just scoring runs because once, if you can put up a five spot one of these innings, the pitchers don't have to be as sharp. Defense could play looser. It's just everything leads back to the offense being awful. Yeah, it does. And I mean, there's, it's not like there are other guys that we can bring up. I mean, there's one in particular that I would maybe think about trying out and that's Aaron Shackelford. He's killing it right now in AAA. He's got a 300 average 949 OPS. He's got some pop can play infield, can play multiple positions at that. If he sucks, well, he's 26. It's not like he's going to be, the next best thing, give them some time, you know, don't stick guys out there that are going to just be dead weight the entire time. Kind of like what you said. And I know for the catching spot, you know, we're kind of just, we're, we're kind of just expected to deal with it until Andy and Henry pass super two, um, which sucks because I, I, you know, me, I hate Austin hedges back there. I think he's terrible, but you know, it, it I, I'm just, I'm, I'm floored because like you said, it all just, it's a trickle down effect. You know, when one area isn't working, the other one takes a hit and it just, it, it sort of escalates from there. Um, I will say though, I think we are starting to maybe see some of the dead fat kind of trimmed from the team. Um, and that was, a, that was clear to me when it, it's ironic saying this, whenever they brought up Josh Palacios, they had to put him on the 40 man. And in turn, we designated, um, Chase DeYoung for assignment, which is something that surprised me. I don't know about you. Um, I guess not because looking at the looking at the bullpen. I mean, honestly, the bullpen looks pretty nice to me at the moment. Um, they weren't going to get rid of Stevenson or Johan Ramirez, who have been Stevenson struggled a little bit yesterday, but Ramirez has been good. Uh, obviously, not going to get rid of Dari Money Moreta. Holderman, obviously not. Dwayne Underwood, although he struggled in his last outing, has been mostly solid. Jose Hernandez has been solid. Shout out to him. So I think I think DeYoung was the odd man out. Although we should say, uh, and you can kind of speculate if you want, the Pirates will need to bring up another reliever because at the moment they only have 12 on the team and they have 14 position players. It's not a role that you need 13 pitchers, but every team has 13 pitchers because that's the max. So I don't know if you're looking at some of these pitchers in AAA relievers, is there anyone that sticks out to you? 
A couple. Colin Selby, I think, is the number one, and Cody Bolton right there, which I still think is dumb that we got we demoted him, but I think that was more like just number crunching for the roster. Um, But yeah, Colin Selby, he's looking a lot better. (laughs) There are people clamoring for Angel Perdomo, and I want to ask them why. He's we saw what he did in spring training, and I know, hey, spring training numbers don't really matter at times. Look at how many times it's negatively impacted people. But I just see nothing from Angel Perdomo that I think is sustainable in the major leagues. Um, I, I mean, when he was grouped in initially with guys like Rob Zestrisny, who surprisingly made the team, Daniel Zamora, you know, those guys, he's, he just brings nothing. And I feel like he'd come up and get shellacked in the bullpen. It would present another left-handed arm, which wouldn't be bad, but... I think right now I'd go Selby, Bolton, then if need be, Perdomo. You start digging into those guys. Yeah, I'm looking at the stats right now. This kind of surprised me. Our our friend Yeri De Los Santos has really struggled in AAA this year. He's at a 825 ERA through 12 innings. He would have been a name that I thought about. But, yeah, Perdomo is a 3-1-4 ERA. He's been decent. Selby, 3-2-1 ERA. Both have pitched 14 innings or so. Zamora, 4-0-5. Carmen Mazinski, is that even how you say it? Can you correct me there? Mlajinski. Mlajinski? Mlajinski. You have to like, you have to mold. (laughs) Yeah, you have to mold the M and the L together. Thank you. Welcome to teach (laughs) Nathan how to... Hooked on phonics, baseball edition. Uh, Yeah, Carmen Mlajinski. Molojinski. <laughs> Save that. To... He has a 3460 already in 13 innings. So he he's another guy to keep an eye on at some point. Yeah. But yeah, well, honestly, any of these pitchers I would take over are sad Chase the Young because it does seem like he's he's a nice guy and a, a good guy, but he just got lit up and you can't get lit up. Uh I, I honestly I don't really have a preference. I do hope. I do hope they keep Ortiz up and give him another start. Although, thankfully, it does seem like Vince Velasquez will be back as soon as he's he's off the 15-day IL. It seemed like he was more precautious than anything, which you like to see. Maybe he sensed that he sensed a little bit of irritation and thought, "All right, I I could use the rest here," which is good because he has been a relief pitcher over the past few seasons. So him pacing himself out is good but yeah any of those relievers i'm fine with to be honest yeah i am too and i think as long as we just get some of them up show them that you know hey we trust you to go into these games in high leverage situations and try to at least display your stuff but like kind of like what you alluded to earlier i there's not really many issues with the bullpen right now i think Moreta is at like a 182 bapip which is amazing considering that not a lot of people had high hopes for them myself included when he was first acquired but um, if it ever arises where we need bullpen help, those are the that, those are the guys that I would go towards. And like you, I, I hope they give Luis Ortiz another shot, despite Vince Velasquez showing very minor symptoms with his injury. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe hey, that that's a good problem to have. Is where do you put all these talented pitchers? So over this streak of losing, I, the pitching is really not. It hasn't concerned me all that much. Obviously, some of these starters have, have gotten blown up, but. I still think it's a decent enough staff to win to win games if if runs are scored. That's the big caveat. But yeah, I guess once again, roster moves that need to happen. I think is that you just you got to send down 
Palacios for a pitcher, I would say. Or maybe you DFA Andujar. Both need to go, though. I would I would replace Andujar and Palacios for a pitcher. And honestly, I'll just I'll say Matthias. Bring Matthias back. I don't care. <laughs> and then I would get rid of Chris Owings as well. And perhaps uh Perhaps it's one of the outfielders. It does suck that Travis Swaggerty, he's he's been out for a while with the with a virus, but uh so he's not ready at this point to come up. Cannon Smith and Jigba, I'm looking at it right now, has really struggled in AAA as well to hit. He's at 148, although he is walking still, but the batting average is not great. I will say a name to keep an eye on, Jared Triolo, yep. just got back. So he's going to need probably a few weeks at least to get some at-bats at AAA before he could be ready. But that's a guy that maybe a month from now could get some at-bats and contribute to the Major League team. Who else was I talking about? Oh, how's Cal Mitchell doing in AAA? He not is, great. Yeah, not great. But he did, I think, have like a three or four hit night the other night. He had a, I think he had a five hit night one of the nights. But overall numbers, the OPS is at 661. So not great from him. Maybe it is. Maybe it's maybe it's Shacklefold. I will say this. <laughs> also, Nick Gonzalez has been solid for what it's worth. If I mean, I feel like Nick Gonzalez is kind of in an in-between land of do we really have to worry about Nick Gonzalez's super two status? But um if if it's not Nick Gonzalez, Aaron Shacklefold, I'll say this about calling players up from AAA. I'd rather see a guy that has that has zero major league experience than the known commodity of the guy that's hit two ten his whole life in the majors, such yep. as a Chris Owings or a Josh Palacios. Just give me the unknown commodity and see if it sticks because we know quad a players don't work. They just don't. Yeah. I'm kind of with you. Bring up the unknown commodity. The guy who has no major league experience. Cause you don't know if he actually can be a major leaguer unless you play him up there. And yeah, I feel like Shackelford can be that guy. He's been like, very, very patchy in the minor leagues, but he's riding a hot streak right now. And if we're going to compare hot streaks here, I'd rather see him over uh, Josh Palacios, but that's just me. Um, today would be the perfect day. We're recording this on a Thursday, the off day. This Today would be the great day for some roster moves. Uh, see a little bit of a shakeup yeah. or maybe even early Friday before the team, you know, takes the field in Baltimore. I don't think it's going to happen, but it would be nice to see maybe one or two moves made. Uh, hopefully they come later today. They're definitely going to call that pitcher up. There's no doubt in my mind there. That's probably all they're going to do. We're probably going to have to live with the Chris Owens at shortstop experiment for at least a week, I would say. And if I had to guess, they're probably going to DFA Andujar for that pitcher because Andujar has just been so awful. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Since since he hit two home runs in that in that day that it sounds like a myth thinking about that day when they scored 24 total runs in two games, uh, feels like that's in fairy land books. But, uh, since then Miguel Andujar is one for 23. Yeah. <laughs> That'll win you games. He's hitting 045, 087, 091 in 23 plate appearances. You do the math. He just needs to go. So that's that's my that's my guess. And yeah, some of these players just 
deep breath. Hopefully the off day works. Maybe in Baltimore they get some good crab crab cakes. <laughs> Do hang a out. Shot of like old bay rum or something. I don't know if that's even a thing, but something Hit the like bay. that. Um, get some of that old bay. I will say Pirates do have a good amount of off days here in the month of May. They're off like every Thursday from here on out, and they're off this coming Monday after the Baltimore series, which is shocking to me. Um, they they have a good amount of time off, so maybe that's what they needed because they did overexert themselves in April. So Yeah. And, I mean, against some, I guess, inferior opponents, I mean, they're going up against Tex Rangers here in a couple of weeks who are without DeGrom for a couple of weeks, which is great. Um, maybe this time off will get them back on track. Yeah. I, I mean, I hope so. Looking at this schedule, it, it looks a little more rougher than I anticipated maybe even last week, but I guess we could dive into this Baltimore series a little bit, which starts today. When you're listening to this Friday, Johan Oviedo gets the start and he will be opposing Kyle Bradish who this season, not, not awesome. 19 and two-thirds innings pitched. He's given up 13 earned runs, 18 strikeouts, nine walks, three home runs. That's a 5.95 ERA against Oviedo, who has a similar ERA at this point. So I don't I don't know what to really expect there. Saturday, Rolandi Contreras will try to bounce back as well. He faces Tyler Wells, who this season Six games started, seven games pitched total. He's gone 40 innings, given up 14 earned runs, and weirdly enough, eight home runs. So he's given up the long ball, but has not really seen much damage from the long ball. 31 strikeouts is nice to 7Ks. That ERA is at 3-1-5, so he's been solid. Once again, though, I don't know. I, I trust Rowanzi to get back on track. I feel like that's another wash pitching matchup wise and then Sunday it's Mitch day ace day whatever you want to call it he will be opposing Kyle Gibson who Gibson has been decent he's been an innings eater 47 innings pitched he's given up 23 earned runs six home runs 31 strikeouts 13 strikeout or 13 walks he's been all right 440 ERA I will say none of these Orioles pitchers particularly scare me, although after watching what the Pirates have done on offense lately, I guess I would scare me if I got to face the Pirates lineup pitching. But I don't know. What what are your initial thoughts looking at this series? Honestly, I don't have high hopes. I have maybe if we win one game, it'll be Mitch Day against Kyle, Kyle Gibson. But, I, I mean, the the Orioles just came off a series where they took two or three from the Tampa Bay Rays, the best team in baseball. Um, and that yeah. just, that spells to me that they're on a hot streak right now. They're riding high. Yeah. It's a good opportunity for the pirates to bring them back down to reality. But if we're being honest, I mean, our offense has not been up to par. Uh, pitching has been all right, but we haven't been hitting with runners in scoring position, but we just haven't been posting runs and the Orioles yeah. can post runs and they know how to beat a team whenever they're behind. So, I mean, unless Mitch Keller throws another, uh, complete game shutout on Sunday, my hopes for this series are very low. I really think that we're going to get um, we're going to get beat. I'm going to say Oviedo and Contreras pitch a lot better, but I still think our offense isn't going to be able to hold up to it, and I think we're only going to win one if that. Looking at it, Baltimore is 24 and 13. I think they're playing a little above their 
abilities at the moment. They are good. Maybe they are a playoff team, but I will say they've been struggling a little bit to score runs the past week or so. Um, they did take two out of three from Tampa, but they beat them two to one. They beat them four to two. They were shut out in the first game against Tampa, three nothing. And then they had two losses against the Braves, in which they lost three to two and five to four. So they've cooled off a tad bit offensively, I would say, because before that they were just lighting it on fire. They had a nine run game, a 13 run game, an 11 run game in there. So I, I don't know, just a wacky sport. And would I be surprised if the Pirates got swept? Absolutely not. But would I be surprised if they took two out of three? Probably not either. So I'm with you, though. One one, one does seem right. Who would have thought that on May 11th, rooting for a first-place team, it would be this sad? I don't think you can draw that up on any board. Normally, when you're in first, you're celebrating things. We're, I think we're actually fearing more than we were actually tanking. Yeah. And it's so funny because the offense, 169 runs total this season. That's uh, tied for second in the National League Central. It's crazy because in the past 10 games, they haven't scored more than three. All right, Jake, uh, is there anything else you wanted to touch on here before we sign off? Not really. Just stay tuned to the Fan First Sports Network and talk the plank. Morning, Bucket Joe, every morning. Um I feel like lately it's become a repetitive process considering all the losing that we've done, but that comes out every weekday morning um, and make sure to talk, follow talk the plank on Twitter at talk the plank pod. Heck yeah. All right, everyone have a great rest of your day. We'll be back and uh, we'll be talking pirates. Like Jake said, look out for the morning bucket Joe. Thank you as always for listening and peace out. <laughs>